Good morning. We all want God's will for us. At least those of us who really want to follow Jesus. Those of us who define ourselves as followers, as disciples, as Christians. Those who follow Christ. We want to know His will for us. Most of the time, however, I believe that we we tend to see that will, or at least what we're hoping He's going to reveal to us, in a very, very personal way. And that's not wrong. That's, that's a huge part of it. In fact, these six weeks, we are focusing on that exclusively. I just want to remind you of one more thing and why these spiritual disciplines that we're focusing on right now are so important. And that's simply this. Whatever God wants for you as an individual, whatever He wants to lead you as a person to do with your life and with your gifts and with your opportunities... It's going to fit into the big picture of what his big dreams are. It's going to fit into the Great Commission. It's going to fit into building his kingdom. Whatever he specifically has designed for you, whatever part you are supposed to play, the, the, the core big ideas remain. And I just want you to remember that. We, right now we're in a very zoomed in kind of a series. We're looking, what, what does it look like in my daily life to do this? Even our logo is a very zoomed in picture. That, that's the laurel wreath that the athletes would compete for back in the Olympics in Paul's day. And Paul used the sports as a illustration many times because of the dedication, the ongoing training, the ongoing sacrifice, everything that is required to actually become a champion in sports. Talent and and dreams are not enough. And that's such an awesome metaphor for what God expects of us in our lives, just like serving our country. Sometimes paying the ultimate price is also a wonderful and beautiful metaphor for that. But these three things, if, if you feel like God is trying to lead you to do something, I, I want you to be looking for these three things because these are three things that he's always, they're always going to be his will for you. Always. You don't have to pray about these things. These are absolute, always there. If you're, if you're someone who likes to take notes, you can put this in the, it's in the insert. You can write them down. If not, just listen. I'll say it a couple times today, but I want you to know this. The particulars are going to be different, but these three things will always be God's will for you. Number one, he wants you to follow Jesus. He wants you to actually stay in touch with Jesus, to actually not only study his word, but to pray, to use the spiritual disciplines in such a way that you actually are in touch with him. When he promised that he would always be with us, that is so that we could actually stay in touch with him and be with him. To actually keep looking at where he is and where he's leading and asking him for his specific will. That will always be his will for you. Secondly, he's always going to be asking you to build his kingdom. Each one of us plays a different role, but he is going to ask you to build his kingdom in measurable, intangible ways. That is what our life is about right now. And thirdly, he's going to be trying his best to transform you to be more and more like him as life goes on. That by the time you get to heaven, that you're, all, you're a whole lot like Jesus. You're going to fit in really, really well. And what you leave behind you on this earth is going to be a lot different than it was without you doing what he called you to do. So whatever specific will God asks you to do, whatever specific things he might lay on your heart this morning, please do that. Please know that the specific will 
of God in your life is incredibly important, and only you can play the role that God has given you. But it's all going to fit in those things. Don't ever lose sight of that. He doesn't want you to have time and talent and treasure just for your own personal pleasure or fulfillment. He's got a plan, and we all fit into that. Jesus told a parable about two sons. He said the father came to both of them and he said, could you please come and help and work in my vineyard today? This is in Matthew chapter 21. The first son said, yeah, I'll, I'll come help. The second one says, no, not feeling it today. And if the story stopped right then, the first one would obviously be the hero and the other one would be the villain, right? And, and sometimes I think we put a little bit too much emphasis on the things that we say, the things that we, we want to make sure that gets said in church. And not that that isn't important. It's crazy important. But that's not the point Jesus was making. That's not where he stopped this story. The father says, please come help me. One says, I'll come help you. The other one says, I, no, I won't. But as the day went on, the one who had said he would help changed his mind and he never did anything. He never actually went out and helped his father at all. And the other one who had said, no, I won't help you, changed his mind. And he actually went out and got the job done, working right there next to his father. And Jesus turned that around and he said, so which one of them did what his father wanted? Because Jesus loves action verbs. I say that all the time because I, I just want to make sure that sticks. I want you guys to get that. Jesus always wants us to respond with action, to do the things that he's asked us to do. So this, this series that we're in right now, All for the Prize, I just want to make sure that you guys understand this is why this is setting the stage for everything we're about to say next is this. It's not a slogan. It's a worldview. It's a lifestyle. All for the Prize is how Christians see life. The prize is that we actually follow Jesus and know him. Paul says, I've forsaken everything so that I may know Christ. The power of his resurrection, even the fellowship of his suffering. To know Christ, to build his kingdom, to be transformed into his likeness, and then eventually to spend eternity with him. This is the prize. This is what it's all about. No matter what other particulars there may be, this is life for a Christian. And everything else, the reason the spiritual disciplines are so important is because they help us get that done. As I said last week, they are tools, not rules. I'd like you to say that out loud with me. Uh, I want to make sure this sticks. Spiritual disciplines are tools, not rules. The very second that we start making these legalistic, the second that we start judging ourselves or judging others by how much we do these things, we're missing the whole point. But the very second that you realize that these are things that I can do, I can choose to do, whether I like it or not, whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to do it or not, I can choose to do this and it will actually connect me with God. It will actually help me build the kingdom somehow. I will actually be transformed by doing these things. They connect us to God's power, they make us more effective, and they change us just by the act of using them. Last week, I introduced you to someone named Richard J. Foster. I hope that many of you know his work better than I do. But just in case, Richard J. Foster is a fantastic author that writes about the spiritual disciplines. Here's one more quote from him that kind of ties in what we talked about last week, simplicity and giving. He said, when we give, we are releasing a little more of our egocentric selves 
and a little more of our false security. As with all spiritual disciplines, there are, there's a natural level. You can just give. Anytime you just hand something to someone, you're giving. But on a, on, on a spiritual discipline level, it's when you give as an act of worship. You give strategically, prayerfully. Where do I give to make the biggest difference? You give sacrificially. You simplify your life so that what you have more to give. When you do this, because you know that what it's about, the whole thing is about following God and about building his kingdom and about being transformed to see the world the way he sees it. And that's why you simplify your life. And that's why you give. It changes you. You become a different person. In the same way, the two spiritual disciplines we're looking at today can change us as well. The first one we're looking at is service. You can serve others anytime you just do something nice for someone. Someone says, hey, pass the salt. You pass the salt. Not a whole lot of transformation going on, just basic common courtesy, just being a human being. <laughs> there, there's, you, you can serve on that level. It's not that hard. You can, you can be nice to people. You can do that. That's, that's not a big thing. But there are actually three levels to service. There's actually a spiritual discipline level that's for all of us. There's also a spiritual gift level of service. And in the Bible, you'll see several places where um, they're talking about lists of spiritual gifts. There are some of you who are going to experience this and experience God and experience transformation and make a bigger difference than any of the rest of us ever could because you're not just being obedient to God and doing a spiritual discipline. You are actually like using a gift that he gave you. That's part of who you are. You have a supernatural ability bigger than us. And I'm sure you can look around this room and know some of these people. I'm sure that you, if, even if they aren't here this morning, you know these people that that is who they are. They are servants. That's, that is who God made them to be. But this, the middle one, there's a natural one, there's a supernatural gifting. And the middle is just where we all say, how can I serve? How can I serve to do these things that God has called us to do? In Romans 12, 7, Paul is talking about the gift of the, the special gift thing when he says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. That's in one of those lists. But Peter in 1 Peter 4, 10, he's also mentioning these, but listen what he says. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. No matter what spiritual gift you've got, a big part of God's vision for how you're supposed to use it is to serve one another, even if it's not the gift of service. And in Galatians 5, 13, Paul writes this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, said Jesus Christ himself, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm not sure that you know, Paul and Jesus, and then we go to Bob Dylan, but it's a good quote. I'm going to share it with you. Bob Dylan says that a hero is someone who understands the responsibility that comes with his freedom. One of my favorite movies ever is Saving Private Ryan. It explores the ideas of service and responsibility in several incredible ways. 
The opening scene depicts D-Day, and it's one of the most vivid things I've ever seen, thank God, because I've never actually been in combat. But it's one of the most vivid things I've ever seen of what we actually expect from the people who go overseas or anywhere else to defend the freedom of America. It's horrific. It's not cool at all, but it's very moving. The whole premise of the movie involves this one guy, all of his brothers got killed, so they, they send a crack team in, some of the best of the best, to make sure that no matter what the cost, they get this guy out. Private Ryan is the youngest of four brothers that were all in the military. And this is actually a real thing that used to happen. The story itself is kind of fictionalized. But so they send in some of the best of the best to make sure, and they, they're told to put everything on the line, to do whatever it takes, even give their own lives to make sure Ryan gets out. I don't want to give too much away in case you've never seen the movie. I, I really do recommend it. It's rough. It's, it's rated R because of all of the violence. And, and I, I, I'm not, I don't know where you stand on how, how, what sets your mind on things above. But I, I, for me, this has been something that that movie has been something that set my mind on the things I'm talking about this morning. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. But there's this one scene that haunts me where Captain Miller, who is the leader of the team, is talking to Private Ryan, and he says, earn this. He looks him in the eye and he says, earn this. And both of them in that moment know there's no possible way, there is absolutely no possible way that this young guy can live the rest of his life in a way that will make it worth it, for all of those people who sacrificed their lives so that he could live. There's no possible way that could actually truly happen. There's no way that we could sing a song or read off names or do anything else to ever honor all of you and all the people who have served our country or all the missionaries and all the people who have given everything to serve the kingdom of God. There's no way that we could do something and that earned it. That was enough. That was enough, thank you. That was, that was, that, oh man, if they got that award, you know, the score is even. That can't happen. They both know that. But they also both in this, see, in this scene, they also really know something else. That's not what he was asking. He wasn't asking him to even the score. He was asking him to remember that the rest of his life that people had given his, their lives so that he could live. To remember and to live that way. To spend the rest of his life, and I use that word very carefully and very precisely, to spend the rest of his life actually living it to the full in honor of their sacrifice. And that's what Jesus asks us to do for his sacrifice. That's what we as Americans have to do for those who have left a sacrifice for us. But much, much more, this kingdom that we're building that transcends all countries, all nations, all eternity. We've got to live remembering what has been paid, what has been done, so that we even have the chance to do that. We've got to live remembering that. We've got to live investing every moment and everything that we have in that direction. And once again, this is not fake it till you make it. There's nothing legalistic about this. This is not a guilt trip. If you're sitting there feeling guilty, maybe I'm not doing enough. That is not what I hope. That is not what I'm praying. 
I am hoping and praying that you get fired up and actually start doing more. That you start becoming more aware that you have time, you have talents, you have treasure. Maybe you've, you, you haven't thought you have for a while. Maybe you're using it all three all the time, but maybe there's more that God is specifically calling you into. And you're going to simply obey. You're going to just obey and put your king first in honor of the sacrifice that was made for us. Jeff Foxworthy's most famous um, routine was the whole, like, you might be a redneck thing. Do you guys remember that? I know that's a weird segue, but this has been heavy today. I want us to be able to relax for a second so you can hear this last part, okay? Uh, The only one I remember is he says, if you have five cars in your yard and only one of them has wheels, you might be a redneck. Good stuff. I can't really imitate him that well, and that is not where this is supposed to be going. But I I want to use a similar pattern, and I wanted to give him credit for that. If you are a servant, if you are actually using your gift of service, if you're practicing the spiritual discipline of service, these are some things you might experience. You will experience. If you see supernatural results and transformation from the things you are doing to serve God and others, you might be a servant. If you feel and experience energy and love for others that you didn't have before, more than you had when you started serving them, you might be a servant. If you become more fully alive and more aware of others and more joyful, if life is getting better because you're sacrificing more, you might be a servant. If you experience joy in otherwise painful situations, things that someone else on the outside looking in would go, how in the world are you even surviving? But you're finding joy in that. You just might be practicing the spiritual gift of service. If you realize that you are naturally serving more. It's not as hard as it used to be to just throw it all at God's feet and say, I'm going to obey no matter what. This is starting to become who you are. You just might be a servant. Dr. Tony Evans says, Jesus Christ will not compare you to anyone else. You will only be evaluated against what he gave you. In Matthew 25, there are three stories Jesus told. So we're going to turn a corner here, and we're going to, we've been talking about just service. Now we're talking about stewardship, but these are tied together. They're tied together just as much as simplicity and giving are. This morning, as we start to wrap up, I want you to, to understand how this works. That stewardship is using what you have to the absolute best that you can. It's doing your best to use your time, your talent, and your treasure to serve God and to serve others. To build his kingdom. Jesus told 10 stories. I'm sorry. He told three stories in uh, Matthew 25. The first one is the 10 bridesmaids. Sometimes called the 10 virgins. But in this one, he he makes it very clear that all of them had the same stuff. They had the same job. They had the same resources. They had the same responsibility. They had the same stuff. This, this particular story is not about who gets more stuff, which gift you get. Everybody had the same thing. The problem was they didn't manage their time well. They got so distracted just having a good time, waiting on the bridegroom to come, just kind of light, using the light that they'd been given, the fuel they'd been given, the lamps they'd been given to just kind of hang out. 
They weren't thinking ahead. They weren't, they weren't thinking about, they weren't focused on anything. They weren't trying to get something else worthwhile done while they waited. And they failed. Five of them made it. Five of them saved their stuff. Five of them did not. Didn't even get to do the job that they had been given. The, the second story he tells in Matthew 25 is the story of the three servants, sometimes called the parable of the talents, because that's what the Roman coins in the story were called. And that's where we get our word, talents. That's it. When, when we say talents, we don't think of Roman coins. We think of abilities or gifts that we have um, that God has given us. But in this story, there, there really was some disparity between how many. One, one person got a lot less than the next one, and the other one got way more than those two guys. And yet, again, like Dr. Tony Evans says, that's not what they were judged by. They weren't judged by how they compared to the other people. Spiritual disciplines are not about each other. They're totally vertical, not horizontal. Each person was judged only by how they used what God had given them. Each person was judged only by how they, invest, they had invested their time, their talent, the treasure he had given them. It was a completely individual thing between them and God. And yet, don't miss this. Two got rewarded for what they'd done. One didn't just get not rewarded. He actually got punished. Whatever Jesus said, whatever he means about that, we might go there on another day. But don't miss that's how the story goes. That's how Jesus told that story. Finally, the third story in there was the sheep and the goats. And in this story, uh, it, Jesus compares himself again to a shepherd. He liked that image a lot. And he said when he comes back, it's going to be like a shepherd separating his flock into two groups. Some, he'll put the goats on one side, the sheep on the other. Only the sheep get to go to their eternal reward. The goats don't. A couple things to notice. They all think they're in the same herd. They all think they're going the same direction until that moment. All of them are surprised. All of them are surprised. And again, never lose sight that Jesus' ultimate sacrifice that we celebrate every week, Jesus' sacrifice is the only way any of us have a chance at all of being in contact with God. It's the only way that we have a chance at all of actually building His kingdom or being transformed into His likeness. The things we do are only in response to that. And yet, look at what Jesus said was the difference between the sheep and the goats. It was what they had done how they had served others or not, how they had invested their time and their talent and their treasure. Dr. Tony Evans says again, what Jesus Christ is looking for is faithful stewards who will say to him, Lord, you are first in my time and my talents and my treasure. There's some space down here in your bulletin thing, if you're writing down, I'd love for you today, whether you write anything down or not, to take this idea to God. Even if you already did it this morning, do it again. Say, God, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do with what you've given me? And then commit to actually doing that. Maybe he wants you to give your life to him and that's never happened. Maybe there's a specific thing that you just never obeyed yet and you're willing to finally just sacrifice and no matter what, you're going to just obey. Maybe he wants you to join our community, our church, 
Maybe he wants you to rededicate your life. There, there's a lot of different things. I'm hoping that there's some specific things he's going to ask you to do that have honestly not that much to do with Morrison Hill itself, but just that in your daily life, the things you do every single day in your family, in your friendships, and wherever you work, that you are going to be investing more than ever in his kingdom using what he has given you. But I, I, I ask you, I hope and I pray that you make a commitment to do that. There are several ways that we can, you can do that here. If you're looking for ways to, to get involved, to plug in, we have so many ministries. We just updated the list of that and how, who's in charge of different ones. You can go to the Welcome Center and, and see that and figure out who you're supposed to call to get involved, to plug in. We'd love to do that. We actually have a special event tomorrow night called The Forge, which is just to try and help uh, start some new ministries and help some people who have never felt like they've really they're fully connecting and investing yet to, to kind of get together and, and dream with us and get, get started on that. There's so many different things that we're trying to do to help because the kingdom is what we're building. But this morning, one last time, as we, as we stand and as we sing a hymn of invitation, here's what I ask you to do. Let's take a moment as they come forward. Just be still. And just in your own heart, would you pray? to God and say, God, what do you want from my time, my talent, my treasure? And whatever he tells you, say, all right. If that means you need to respond and come down here, please do. If that means you need to live this next week the exact same way or totally differently, I hope that's what you do. But would you stand? Would you make that commitment together?